This is Marching In, a brand new Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music is from the immensely talented Lawrence Norton. We would really appreciate a follow on Spotify and on Twitter, where you can find us at Marching In Pod. Welcome, listeners, to episode 11 of Marching in Pod. Uh, Sam is joining me. Uh, we spoke before coming on that this might be like therapy. So, Sam, I want you to recline in your metaphorical psychologist sofa and tell you how Saints make you feel, which probably won't be uh, yeah, the greatest uh, listening right now, given what happened on Saturday. But how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. I've got an apple and blackcurrant squash, some wasabi peas, and we're ready to dissect the week's games. So, yeah, what are you drinking? Exactly the same as you, actually. Oh, fair play. Looks a little stronger than mine. Perhaps that's just personal preference rather than the brand. Uh, But who knows? We are going to sort of do this pod a little differently. We're going to start in chronological order, starting with Liverpool, Leicester, then Brighton, because I feel like Liverpool is going to be less to talk about uh Leicester a little bit more and then Brighton the most to talk about so in a week of matches that started with us being carved open at will at Anfield yeah I think Ralph reflected on this by saying the formation switch shocked us rather than the opponent which I hope nothing's been lost in translation there but it was a bizarre one let's uh yeah let's let's begin proceedings there Sam we got pumped as we predicted uh, at least the pod got something right, but thoughts on this? Um, it's probably the most predictable result of the season. I mean, we didn't play that badly. I mean, we we created chances at times, but as we said on the last pod, they're just very, very good. And they've got players that we know will cause us massive, massive problems. And we, did, we set up all wrong. We gave Andy Robertson one of the best left-backs in the world, freedom to do whatever he liked and he, and he did just that setting up well set up Jota very early but we did quite well to concede within 90 seconds seeing as we kicked off and won a corner immediately but you know, off Liverpool went and uh, to the other end of the pitch and yeah Jota, Jota had the freedom of the penalty area to put them one new up it's all downhill from there really you give him players like players like him players like Salah even I mean I think the only player who managed to nullify with the tactical change was Alexander-Arnold but we just didn't think about the other nine outfield players that we needed to nullify because <laughs> he, he, couldn't, he couldn't manage to get a crossing for love nor money but there's also the small matter of the best probably the best player in the world at the moment in Mo Salah who just this card is open as you said and um, we lost the midfield battle I mean you've got three of the best midfielders in the league in Thiago Fabinho and um, Jordan Henderson and we just we just outnumbered. They just outnumbered all Prowse and Romero completely. They were isolated against against those three who were such such a strong trio. As soon as I saw their lineup at two o'clock a week a week ago last Saturday, I thought, oh dear, <laughs> they didn't. 
it's probably their strongest team. I think I think Canate started, didn't he, at centre back? And it mm. I looked at their team and I thought you can't get much stronger than that. Maybe give or take for me and for Jota at some points, but I think Jota's a brilliant player. He's caused us problems in the past. And yeah, it was uh, I was it's very, very rare you're happy with four 0 defeat at, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Did feel a bit like that, didn't we? I mean we, I think I messaged you saying, look, I guess free hit, he's trying something out before the game. I think my feelings after it were a little different, but <laughs> you maybe saw it differently in the sense that we did beat them last season with a depleted squad. They, let's face it, are a different beast this year than they were last. But Ralph tried something. It didn't work. We were very unlikely to get anything from it. Do you feel like it was kind of foolish to to tweak things so drastically? I mean, three up top going into that game, I was a bit surprised. And I think you think of, yeah, we've obviously tweaked things at the back. I think it might have been the system that we finished the Norwich game with. To go there with Broger, Armstrong and Adams all starting, it did look so easy to bypass any pressing. And then, as you say, we were just deeply outnumbered with, you think about Robertson, uh, Alexander-Arnold pushing on and their three midfielders, kind of like, felt like we didn't really have a chance that first half. Yeah, and Livermento struggled. I mean, we'll get on to, he's had a few struggles in the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's, he's a 19-year-old lad. He's played, what, 14 senior games. He's going to have struggles mm. at times. Whereas like, I mean, Andy Robertson's done that to much, much more better and experienced players than Livermento. But he just, yeah, he, he absolutely ran him ragged in the first half. And I mean, and also the fact the centre-backs next to him were getting pulled apart, left, right and centre. Bednarek, I think, looking back on it, was very, very lucky to stay on the pitch with that tackle on Mane early on. I'm very, I'm quite surprised he wasn't, that we didn't see a VAR review for that one because, I mean, it's pro- I think it's probably worse than Wolfram's and Jorginho's earlier in the season. But yeah, that might just be my opinion. I'm not really too sure on that one. But... Yeah, they're just all over the place. Liverpool's such a fluid side. They put their players and pop up left, right, and centre. We just don't know where their their front three can be all over the place, and oh, we just they just didn't know where to look. As for that, the front three of the strikers, we did have chances. Uh, I mean, as we'll get onto a few times in this pod, we didn't take them. And yeah, having those three up top, they're all all three of mountain mount strikers. You're going to leave that that midfield, as I said, so isolated. And that proved to be the case. It felt like if we didn't win the ball back, which we actually did a few times in the first half and the second to create good openings, where I think if Broger had slipped the ball earlier or Armstrong had yeah, been able to finish, we probably would have bagged. But if we didn't win the ball back, it was pretty much inevitable that Liverpool would get into our, our final third and create something. So, yeah, it was quite a high-risk strategy. I think Ralph, yeah, keep me honest on this, but I think Ralph said something along the lines of we'd practice that system with Diallo um, all week going into the game and then he suffered an ankle injury on the Friday but they still persisted with the system I mean again you can't kind of read too much into that but clear for me that the the personnel and the shape wasn't right we switched it up at half time and put in a, more of a respectable performance but given that was what nine days ago now we can move into Leicester not too much to talk about on on Liverpool more than what we've covered so yeah 2-2 with with Leicester we again have thrown away leads, which I think the bulk of this pod will be talking about things like game management and Ralph switches. 
But your thoughts on this? I think kind of a game of two halves in the sense that first half we were pretty good, dominated most of the attacking play. Second half, same old Saints were kind of lucky to to take a point from this. It was almost a, a, um, a sum up of Ralph's three years in charge, really, that game. We started off on the front foot, got in, created some really, I mean, really impressive the, um, the set piece we took in that game, actually. Obviously, they've worked on that all week in the week in training. I mean, I, when we first got our first corner early on, I was sort of teletaking it. I thought, I mean, what's going on here? Because same. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden, the ball's in the back of the net and, Bad Norek, of course, we never win when he scores. We normally lose when he scores. We normally lose 3 2 when he scores. Um, did his, um, put us 1 0 up, and we thought, I mean, I'm never, I'm never really sure what to think we go 1 0 up these days. But yeah, we, we, we looked good. We, we played well, great, created some good stuff. And then we let a sloppy goal away. Johnny Evans scores against us yet again. McCarthy, I mean, we're going to get onto McCarthy. A lot late, a lot, a lot later on for different reasons. He's a popular topic on this podcast, but he was quite—he was very, very, very poor that goal. It's just—it's just an easy save to make. He should have should have held on to it. And yeah, he just—he just sort of just look. They seem to look around, look around for people to blame when it happens. But yeah, it was really, really poor. There was no reason to let Leicester back in that game. They were probably struggling. And then you're going to get another decent goal, Adams. I think. I mean, I've not checked this, but I've I've read that that's Adams' first ever headed goal. I can't. I can't think that. I mean, I think it's the first he scored for us. But I'm not sure. Can't think of any headed goals he's scored the Saints, but surely at Birmingham. Yeah, you'd think at Birmingham or Sheffield United would have scored, but I think that was just that was just a um, random tweet I saw. Maybe. Well, actually, on that. I, I heard him talking about it because I, I was actually right behind Redmond as he put the ball in. And it looked really nice from Adams, like he just guided it in. But him talking about the goal, it actually sounded like someone that never scored a header in their life. He basically yeah. just was like, I threw my head at it, see what happens. Yeah, it was really nice, really great crossing from Redmond. I mean, he carries on his, I mean, obviously we'll get onto the, Brian, the Brian game, another, another another assist for him. It's four, four games or four home games in a row now. He's got an assist, and yeah, he's fair play to Redmond because he's. I mean, he's been there five years now, and he's got no end of stick. Some he's deserved, some he, some has been pretty harsh with him, but yeah, he's been our most creative player this season. He's really he's he's stepped up when we've had obviously Armstrong missing and a few others have just not really stepped up to the plate. And yeah, fair play to him. He's done, he's done well. And then second half was sort of the same old story. I mean, you're not going to dominate in 90 minutes against a team like Leicester. They're a, they're a very good side. Got some, I mean, indeed, he's an excellent midfielder. I did think, I don't know what you thought of the game. At, at, I, mean, I wasn't at the game, I was, I was at work. Adam Oda Lookman, he picked up a yellow card for quite a cynical tackle. Might, might be the Walker Peters. And about, about five minutes later, mm. He makes a very similar tackle again. And yeah, so should, in, should have been sent the, off. Should have been sent off, I think. I I I thought it was quite strange. I said to my mate, if, if I was, you know, referee, I don't think ever looked like he was going to give him a second yellow for it. But if I was a Saints player in that situation, you would be surrounding the ref because you know that it might 
dictate the next decision he makes, irrespective of what he does. I found it bizarre. It was like Saint just got back into position and forgot that he'd just been booked because the two tackles were basically the same. And Rodgers, I think, was relatively smart. He takes him off about three minutes later. Clearly, Rodgers knew that KWP's burst past him a few times, not just resulting in either a foul or, or that booking. It makes sense to bring him off. He wasn't having a great game anyway. But yeah, not much was made of that, even by the fans, really. So it did seem a bit strange. I know. It's like I watched it work. I had the sound off. I'm, so, I'm sure that was Lookman again. Um, yeah, I mean, it was quite, just obviously happened again with Al Ghazi a few weeks ago, which, I mean, we managed to win that game. But if, if Lookman gets sent off there, you're in the ascendancy against, against with an extra man. But yeah, and then we concede... I mean, it's a, it's a good goal for Madison, but, I mean, bleep me if you want, but fuck me, the defending. <laughs> Just I've already little... been told by relatives, Sam, who listen to the pod, that I swear too much. So it's nice that you're doing that. I but, mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't swear often here, but the defending, Jesus. I mean, Jeez. It, it all started off. I mean, did it start off? Madison went past Will Prowse in midfield. Will Prowse was left in his arse. And then I can't even imagine, I can't even remember who should have tackled Madison. And then it beats McCarthy, he's near post, not on a get. I mean, it's Livermento that gets turned far too easily. Livermento gets turned, there's a few others. Could, I mean, probably someone could have probably pulled him down. I think it might have been Ramey, but pretty <sighs> sure he was on a yellow card as well. When is he not? <laughs> yeah, and, no, um, I, it, it, it just felt as soon as Madison got into the box that he was scoring. There was just inevitability that came across the, the ground at that point. And you couldn't really tell from the angle I sat at that McCarthy was at fault. But I think people have been blaming maybe McCarthy more for that second goal than the first. For me, the first is worse goalkeeping. First, the first is far worse. I can, I'm not going to have a go at McCarthy. I would have had a go at McCarthy for a goal like that. Just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just what happens. And I think the fact he got that far to, to get him to make that chance was was the real issue there. It should never have happened. And as Livermanzo really did struggle against Madison in that second half, a couple of times he mm. beat, him, beat him quite easily and, and managed to get the ball across. Luckily, no one was there to knock it in. I mean, most, I think, I can't really remember any chance we created in the second half. I mean, it just seems to be a pattern in our play. We just don't create anything when we get, not even on the break or anything like that. And then Walker Peters plays the ball back to Salisu. Obviously tries to play back to McCarthy, but smashes off Salisu's shin and goes through to the one yeah. player, probably one of the top five players in the Premier League, you know, it's fall to. I can't believe he's missed, Vardy. I know. Gen- generally can't And so badly as well for him to yeah. blaze it over from that angle. It just felt, this is Vard's all over, isn't it? He'd pop up, he'd revel in scoring that goal. Yeah. You know. It reminded me of a goal he scored at St Mary's about, about five or six years. I think it was the year they won yeah. the league when we had to new up. I remember it. And um, yeah, normally he just he just finishes those finishes those easily. And obviously Barnes had a chance as well. That, that was well saved by McCarthy. And yeah, just it was just another second half that we're so used to. In fact, we drop off. We can't keep the ball. Leicester are a very good side. They can be wrong, but we just don't create anything in that sort of situation, which is such a worry. Yeah, no, I, we, we were just very kind of weak second half. And once they equalised, it really only felt like one side was going to win it. I think 
it was inevitable that Rodgers would change something at halftime. We were, I mean, like you say, you don't dominate a team like Leicester for 90 minutes, even you know, maybe bar the big three. Probably not many teams go kind of toe-to-toe in the way that we have. I know they've had a, a quite a mixed start to this season, but on the balance of play, we were much, much better than them first half. They couldn't really get out. And the likes of Sue and Chu and Evans were really struggling against our press. But once it went to 2-2, I'm surprised that we held on. And I said to my pal that, you know, Saints here, we we don't, you know, win these sort of games. When they're, when they're even, we've been ahead. Momentum's not with us. We're a young side, which we've covered in the pod previous to this, but we don't, I don't think, have the kind of maturity to get a foothold back in the game. And we're going to talk about Brighton shortly, but similar kind of story around the maturity that we've shown in those sort of moments where second halves, we just capitulate. And you sent me it, but I've seen it doing the rounds on Twitter, but is it, if you take first half results, we'd be fourth, but if you take second half results, we'd be 19th. Yeah, sounds about right. Same old, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's been, we've had it. Yeah. I mean, it almost reminds me of, I mean, I'm not saying we're going to go down, but the year we went down in 0-4-5, had these games where we were leading or should have killed a game off against teams in and around us. And we let it slip. Just, to, I mean, people say, oh, it's a draw. At least you gained a point. But you keep drawing games at home. You quickly run out of games that you can win at home. Yeah. It's just, it's just a bit of a worry. It, it is a worry. And I think if we continue along this vein of not converting games that we are, are better than the opposition in, I'm not saying that we're a better side than Leicester, but I think on the kind of balance of the first and second half, you'd like to think that that's a game that we could see out. Brighton's a slightly separate story where we should see that out you know, you, you start to be concerned. And again, I think we're going to be fortunate that there are three worst teams than us in the division. And, you know, they're, they're playing this evening against our next opponents, but teams like Everton look a complete mess at the moment. You know, Burnley are, are struggling and have just lost to what really is the kind of second worst side in the league thus far. So I, I, I feel fortunate that we're in this position with the sides around us. Um, but yeah, I think... Just to quickly kind of recap on the on the Leicester game as a, a, a wrap-up before we move into Brighton. Nathan Teller got his first start of the, the season. Saints fans clamouring for him to start. I think we've been maybe a little bit more lukewarm on the yeah the, what he would bring to the side. But I actually felt did offer something pretty decent against Leicester. Just that energy that occasionally someone like an El Yanusi um, you know, certainly a Walcott would lack in one of those number 10 spots. His, his defensive work was good. And he also is pretty rapid and, you know, wants to go at people. There were balls that were played, I think, those sort of 50-50 balls that you pop in just behind maybe their fullback and, and let Teller run onto. Um, and I was relatively impressed with the decision-making as well, which I think he's been slightly naive in attacking areas before. But I actually think probably the worst output from our front four on Wednesday night against Leicester was Adam Armstrong, who, geez, he's fucking frustrating. Just like shooting from bizarre angles, you know, on his weaker foot where it just is never on. And I think a little bit more composure that someone like an Adams, I think, is showing in his game. Bro just certainly showed on, on Saturday. But I can see why Armstrong was dropped. 
whereas actually Teller's decision-making on, on Wednesday against Leicester, and I think he had a, a, a pretty fair game against Brighton as well, you know, relatively decent. We will discuss Saturday's game. How, how did it feel coming away from St Mary's? So I've told you I was at the in-laws um, this weekend. Glad I wasn't there. It was just gutting, wasn't it? I can't actually imagine what it would have been like to be there <laughs> and that happened. But typical Saints, can't hold on to a lead, 1-1. Uh, it was deflating, frustrating, just uh, familiar. There's another word I'd use for it. Yeah, it's just so, I mean, I will keep using the term missed opportunity, but God, it was a missed opportunity. It was... Brighton were rubbish. I mean, they had enough, like, especially first half. They were, we were all over them. I mean, I feel like a broken record talking about being all over a team in the first half and not killing them off. We had chance, we had chances to take the lead before we did score. I don't, I don't know how Adams and Broja both seemed to mess up that chance where Broja got through, hit it straight at Sanchez. Ball comes to Adams loads of time, hits it straight at Sanchez. And then we scored, we scored a good goal. And then second half, we just come out and nothing there. I can't remember really any, any again any chance. We had that chance on Brozier at the start of the second half, and then we just fell into the same old habits. And yeah, it's just so frustrating. The team is naive. The whole team was naive on Saturday. Got near the end of the game, and uh, it should be keep. They're into ten men. They should be keeping the ball, getting the ball forward, keep even knocking it towards the corner. But then doing time after time, they're giving the ball away in sloppy areas. Liver Manzo tries to beat a man, he just needs to keep the ball out of play. I mean, that they don't, don't want to talk about that passing ball prowess across the pitch, but I'm going to have to. It's just suicidal in certain football in terms. It was abysmal. It was, it was just, I don't know, I get, I get it. Actually, probably, it was probably tired. Sorry, Sam, thinking. to jump in. Yeah, I, I tired thinking. I don't know what it was, but we had a corner probably 95 minutes gone and we decided not to put it in the box even though we had put, taken men forward because obviously maybe the corner was slightly earlier than that but there was 10 minutes added on because of the trossard injury but to kind of recycle the ball El Yunusi then loses it clearly us not wanting to kind of go for that second goal means that really kind of anywhere would do but try and manage the game in a sensible way but for them to him to try and thread that pass through in that area just turn them around like it's clear that we were nervous as you say people kept making the wrong decisions like what is Ward Prowse doing and I'm not part of the sort of social media lot that are calling for Ward Prowse to be dropped he's still I think you know, our, our kind of most complete central midfielder but it was just bizarre. And I, I think him and Romeo's sluggishness, especially when Romeo is normally always carrying a booking or it feels like he is at that point, that is a core reason, I think, for how much we drop off in those areas where we just get turned around really easily. Like our, our midfield two don't seem to be nowhere near as kind of proactive as they are in the first 45. But that ball, it's just so, so annoying. Um, and then... It's that moment where you think, fuck, the, 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 the free kicks hit the wall. We've got away with it. 
and the the volley is it Moda that just just pops it back to more pain? It's just like doesn't it? You don't feel like this happens to other clubs, and I appreciate it's probably like a sort of bias that you look at these things with a Saints fan, you know, from. But ah, oh, just so annoying. Why is Walt Prowse playing on playing on side? Why has he gone back to the line? You Walker don't Peters, see players do that. You don't do that. Walker Peters has asked McCarthy, drop me on the lines. Obviously, we'll get on to he was struggling shortly, but and McCarthy tells him no. And then all of a sudden the Walt Prowse is back was jockeying back to the line and plays. I mean, for me, because I didn't really notice the whole Walt Prowse thing at the time. I saw it go in, I thought, oh, it's obviously offside. Then I looked and I thought, oh no, I saw Walt Prowse stood there. And Will Prowse I was the same watching at home. I was exactly the same. Had his head down. He just knew. He knew. He knew it wasn't. It was going to be a. Um, going to be a the goal. reaction of the players. Like it just annoyed me. Will Prowse sort of walked. And there was like no. I don't know. It just sort of. It did feel very familiar, as you say. Uh, yeah, just so so annoying for that to happen. So, McCarthy. I mean, Ralph went in on McCarthy after the game, didn't he? Obviously, yeah, going to come on to the hamstring decision, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. But as you said to me, Lianco was taking goal kicks for most of the game. When he wasn't taking it, McCarthy was sort of like rolling it, like maybe with his studs to, towards Lianco, who was playing it out. It was just, I'm not sure what to think in terms of, I'm not sure who to blame. There's so many people to blame. Like, why is Ralph or the coaching staff not seeing that and thinking, why the hell is our goalkeeper not is not playing out like we normally do? Why is why is he not taking the kicks properly or as properly as he can? And um, and then why why is McCarthy not telling Ralph he's injured, he can't do this, can't do that? It's just baffling from the whole setup, really. I just don't know. I'm not sure who to blame the most. It's just article in the fact that Premier League team has that sort, sort of thing happen. I get I mean Ralph hasn't called out McCarthy for his mistakes in the last few weeks. I mean I heard someone today, someone, one of my friends today said um, maybe it's sort of boiled up inside him and he's got bored of McCarthy, got frustrated with McCarthy and now he's taken it out on him. I don't know but the whole situation just shouldn't happen at the level we're at. It shouldn't happen at any level. But the fact that we're playing, I don't, I don't know, how, I don't know when he got injured. But the fact we're playing at least probably at half with, an, with a half with an injured goalkeeper. It's not like we got bloody Allison or Edison in goal. Who, if they're injured, you think, yeah, keep them on, no problem. How bad can Harry Lewis be? The fact we can't bring him on to, you know, to go on for a goalkeeper who's, who's who can't even kick a ball. Yeah, well, you've had some breaking news while I've been on, haven't you, around that situation. We've announced the signing of Willie Caballero. We have. He signed on short-term contract. Sounds like, just says short-term contract, and say how long. So it sounds like the rigmarole of going through the emergency loan situation was sort of something we didn't really want to do. So we've obviously got the, the free agent in Caballero in. We'll maybe come on to talk about him you know, <laughs> in a sec, but I kind of agree with you in that it's a really strange situation. Maybe speaks to some more deep-rooted issues within the squad than uh, you know I, I, I would think. One of the players, even you know, 
surely it's not a tactical thing that we've worked on where Lianko is taking those goal kicks. Everything that Ralph does, you know, you, you, we know about the manager is a very, very kind of dedicated manager when it comes to planning situations within the game. That That is kind of the school of management that he's from. You try and reduce the... Yeah, the, the coincidences that happen, as Rangnick called it, I think, in his first press conference for, for United. You try and reduce the, the sort of, um, yeah, the, the unknown as a manager. That, that can't have been planned. Is he not speaking to the players, you know, in that way? You always hear him shouting things from the sideline. Surely he gets a handle of that situation. And to your friend's point about perhaps him going in on McCarthy full time, probably speaks to kind of a deeper frustration with uh, just us not managing games correctly and maybe speaks to some things that he wish he would have done differently himself. But he hasn't called him out about those mistakes. This is a, that was a really bad situation for us to get ourselves into. Now, do you think that because he was injured, Warprowse knew that and had to get back on the line for that reason? Like that was a bit that I'm still a bit confused at. I mean, yeah, I just don't see it because Walker Peters did ask him, and he said, said "No, don't need you on the line." Walker Peters and Walker goes back there anyway. I mean, I just think if you, if you, if Mode was it Mode at free kick, if if he if he puts it in the top corner, you're like, fair enough, brilliant free kick, off you go. The fact is, hit the wall, and everyone's going, everyone's happy. It's hit the wall. You sort of you think, oh, we're out of jail. Then all of a sudden, it comes back in, and Walker is playing Mope about five yards on the side. And the shit house that he is, he gives it to the Northern, the Kings of the North. He was absolutely loving it. But I think that's happened twice in the last week for them. They've managed to get a draw away from home when they've had 10 men due to two to an injury or injuries. It's just yeah. my other half's old man came. I was watching the stream in a different room. I was sort of escaping the chaos that was being around that theirs for the weekend. And he said, Oh, saw Brighton nick one, you know, against West Ham when they were, they only had 10 men. Um, and then I saw Trossard. I don't really know what happened to Trossard. Actually, it was like an elbow injury or something. I was watching on the stream. I did. I had the sound off. I really don't know what injury that was, but it looked quite serious. But he was down for ages. I was working it out. I thought they're going to be down to ten men again here. I thought, you know what? I've just got a sinking feeling. As you do as a Saints fan, this is going to go exact same way as it did against West Ham. Oh God, it was just. Just galling. We were so good first half, like you say. We're, we're a broken record on this podcast and others that talk about Saints, how good we are first half. We didn't create enough second half. That Broger chance, I think, is better than it probably looks after he's connected with it. Because the ball coming back to him, he's normally quite composed in those situations, but almost just snatches at it and it dribbles yeah. through nearly Tried Adams gets to the end of it. Yeah. But we created a lot first half. And for me, Brighton are probably on the kind of basis of their play, a top six, top seven team. Like Graham Potter has done, I think, a really good job. They don't score many is the the big problem, which many people point to. But the structure with which they play with, what he's done on kind of, you know, a relatively thin budget there and with, you know, not kind of known talent, really, I think is highly impressive. And he's a, he's a good manager. And we just dominated them. 
we dominated them from kind of the first minute to the 45th and the second half was even, but the analysts, which is run by Opsa, do quite an interesting thing where they do like a timeline of who looks most threatening. And I looked at it before coming into the pod and first half, it was so heavily weighted towards us. And then even the second half, the first 25 minutes of that second half, again, we looked the most likely to get the second rather than the equaliser. And there's kind of a five minute spell where they look more, more threatening. So this is in terms of, yeah, where they're getting the ball. Are they putting the ball into the box? Are they having opposition touches? A lot of kind of figures go into that, that stat, but not at any point really do they have a sustained period where they're on top. And that is where, you know, you just struggle for answers to see how we throw those games away. And, you know, we, we spoke about the Norwich game last time we were on with Paul, but you know, with hindsight now, that is looking a terrible result. They looked abysmal away at St. James's Park when Newcastle were down to 10 men for the majority of the game. These are games where we are much the better side. Our XG in terms of the chances we're creating is always better than our opponents. And they're better than opponents that we're kind of around the same standard as in a, you know, I'd probably say Brighton and Leicester are better than us, really. But again, we're creating more than them. We just don't see any of these sort of games out. Like, I don't really know what's going to change either for us to start doing that. It's a massive flip reverse of our fortunes, really, because you think, I think this time last year, we had this, we were outperforming our XG by loads. Remember the game at Villa when I think Wal- obviously Walpraz took those two free kicks and um, Ings scored that brilliant, that brilliant strike about 25 yards out. And you just think games like that, we're just massively outperforming our XG. And now, because because we had players like, like a player like Ings who would score out of nothing really. Yes. He, he would take the chances. He, I mean, the chance we had on Saturday. He, he, he was if it was him on top form for us, we would have been we would have been out of sight at half time. We don't have Ward Prowse. We don't, I mean, I can't really remember Ward Prowse even having a free kick to take this season, let alone let alone score one. So that, that's not happening. We're not getting goals out of nothing from that. We're barely creating anything from set pieces other than the Leicester game. Of course, they weren't even they weren't Ward Prowse set pieces really. They were sort of doing it, mm. doing it a different method to what we normally go towards. And then you've got our strikers who are unproven in the Premier League. I mean, Adam, Adam's probably our most proven. Even he's only been in the Premier League. I and mean, this is his third, third full season with us now. And yeah, it's, um, it is a worry because, as I said earlier, you're going to run out of games or something. You're going to run out of games that you look at and think, we should win that. And then all of a sudden, as passes by, look, we've had those two home games last week. If you win one of those, you're looking at mid-table. All of a sudden, we've got two difficult away games coming up before we play Brentford. And if you don't pick, if you pick up one or maybe even zero points in those two games, you're probably looking over your shoulders. If one of Burnley, not or even a couple of Burnley, Norwich, or Newcastle start picking up a couple of wins, we're only six points clear of the bottom three, and all of a sudden it can turn into a very, very Bleak winter. Yeah, I mean, not really much more to add, Sam. I think you've summed that up very well. On our XG numbers from this season, you're completely correct about the overperformance last year. You know, at this stage, really, I think we went into December really in the kind of top eight, performing very well. But you know, that was on the results. We were outperforming our XG. The underperformance is seven point five. So our goal is kind of minus XG. So there's an underperformance of 7.5. From the chances that we've created, that means we're expected to have scored 7.5 more goals or round that up to whatever you want to. So 
it's pretty drastic. It's rank bottom in the league. And I appreciate with the quality of players that we have compared to, you know, Chelsea at the complete other end are overperforming their XG by nearly seven. Then that kind of is expected somewhat. But yeah, it, it, it is a definite worry. And I think Ralph has come out and said, look, we have got enough competition for places in attacking areas. It's just a case that you expect those numbers to even out to, to some sort of mean over time that that we will get get goals. And I think just before we yeah, finish on Brighton, because I think we've covered every aspect I wanted to, Broger's finish was lovely. And I know he he did uh, yeah, mess up that first one. Him and Adams conspired to to bog that opening that we had very early. But his composure, I can't remember, I don't know who he sends for for his lunch, but is it is it Duffy that he he sees coming I across? So, I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's very, very nice. Yeah. Finished brilliant, very, very classy. It was lovely. And he took it early enough that Sanchez couldn't quite set himself. I just loved that goal. It was really nicely done. Um, and it came from us pressing and we won the ball back time and time again in those areas where I think Sanchez, yeah, fucks up the clearing that and War Prowse is, is there and, and Revan flipped it on. But we have clearly got a player in Broja. How long he stays with us, likely to be just this season, I don't know. But I'm hopeful when he gets in those areas, he, he will finish. And I think Armstrong, I've touched on how frustrating I, I believe he's been in recent matches. We have got someone who, you know, has scored goals, at, albeit championship, championship level. But for me, it's a kind of similar story where we've got, that's the level we're playing at in terms of transfers. We did the same with Adams and, you know, you know my thoughts on Adams. I'm a big fan and I feel like he's, he's coming good at last. Just have to be relatively patient with our attacking players because we can't go and spend, you know, 30 million on a striker and we we simply won't with our, our current ownership this podcast is supported by peaberry coffee award-winning coffee based in hampshire gerald and his team batch roast their coffee beans by hand and the host of this podcast is a big fan check them out today at peaberrycoffee.co.uk that's absolutely right been buying peaberry for around a year now and would never go back to anything else the current beans on rotation are the colombian kind finca el mirador and for listeners of the pod we are going to be running some listener competitions where you can win a bag of beans a bag of gerald's finest should we say um but yeah big shout out to gerald and all the work he's doing supplying coffee up and down the country now so yeah great to support a local business in in hampshire and stay tuned for more Right, Samuel, we travel to the Emirates on Saturday. I've actually read an article about um, how Arsenal are faring this season from Grace Robertson. She does loads on tactics, history of football tactics, but it's really interesting. I'll bring up a few points around yeah, how they are doing in terms of their numbers this year. But what are your, what are your thoughts going into this? It's going to be a tough, tough one, isn't it? Uh, it's going to be a tough afternoon. We've had... I don't think I was even alive the last time we won one of the Emirates in the league. Well, one one at Arsenal in the league. It was definitely Highbury. I've been there a couple of times. We won in the League Cup, but yeah, our, our league record at Arsenal was absolutely miserable. I mean, we should have won there a couple of years ago when Unai Emery stood in charge. Should have won there easily. I mean, when we, oh, managed, when we managed that to game haunts me. So that was after the international break where we just lost the nine 0 I think we'd also lost against Everton, hadn't we? Yeah. And Ralph. You know, according to sources from inside the club, everything was reset. You know, he went back to basics and we were really good that day. 
there were some chances that we had to kill it off. And again, you know, we're here. Well, what was it? Yesterday marked three years of Ralph at the club. We have dropped 70, I think it's 71 or 72 points from winning positions. Yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, that game just is is horrible memory. And Lacazette, I don't even, I think we've even spoken about this in the pub before. He doesn't even celebrate, does he? Because he, uh, no. there, there are rumours that, you know, he was almost annoyed that it was keeping Emery in the job, but I don't think it kept him in, in the job for much longer. Yeah, just so annoying. The league, one of the League Cup results, I'm thinking, was Nat Klein scores from... Oh, screaming at them. Yeah, miles outside the box, isn't it? Jordy, Jordy Classy a few years later as well. As you've got yeah. to find the final, Jordy Classy score. Yeah, yeah. Was a, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not expecting much, especially with, I know, as we touched on the, touched on the Brighton game, but there's a couple of yellow cards in that game, Salisa and Romeo, yeah. both can be missed at the weekend, so the team's going to be looking quite different. We're going to have Mr. Cap- Mr. Caballero in goal, which will be interesting. Be, be Big Willie. Yeah, it'd be good. To, I mean, another tick, I think, in, in the in the box to sign it is, I think, the fact he's so experienced. The, you think he'd be quite vocal in the dressing room, despite even, even though going into a new dressing room, you think, oh, he might be a bit apprehensive at first, but he's 40 years old. He's been, he's played in some massive, massive clubs at Chelsea and Man City over the last few years. He's not going to have any fear of going into our dressing room and start, and start shouting at our defence on Saturday. It's probably what probably what they need because McCarthy and probably Forster are both quite quiet goalkeepers. You, th- you think? And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, be interesting. I also be interested what Ralph does with our team on Saturday because Salisha is going to be a big miss. I'd be interested to see what happens with whether Bednarek's back. I'm not sure how long he's out for. Stevens is also obviously back in contention. Whether he goes Stevens and Leandro, I'm not sure. I'm sure whether they're both maybe maybe suited to the rock to play on the right. But yeah, you, you, and then you guess Diallo would come in for Romeo, and it'll be back to back to type in terms of the four-two-two-two. Yeah, they've been. I've been mm. impressed. I've been impressed with Arsenal this season. I'm not sure what you think, especially your players like. Smith Rowe looks very, very impressive. He's the sort of player that yeah. causes massive problems like Madison did last week. Bamiyang, this will kick, this will, um, I'm about to buy me on Saturday, I'm sure he'll score, but I think it's almost, you look at their team and you think, it doesn't work with him in it. He shouldn't, they should have yeah. all these young players and sort of you've got him up, up front who doesn't really work with him in it. Since he signed that new contract last year, I think he's, only man- he's not managed that many goals. Well, they've got the youngest, I think they've got the youngest playing squad and 11 in the league at the minute. I think, yeah, yeah we've covered it before, but we're, we're third in that list. And the team is very much in kind of Arteta's mould right now. And I think they're, they're a good side. And I think Arteta's doing kind of a, a low-key, decent job. But some of the stuff that came out of this article that I, I read is that if you take their games against the big three, They've conceded 11 and scored none. Just got whooped by the, the big three, which kind of everyone does. And then their games against everyone else, they've scored 17 and conceded nine. Um, and they actually, I think they find themselves fifth with a negative goal difference right now, or sixth perhaps, a negative goal difference. It's just due to those high profile losses against the big teams. And they're clearly not at that level, but I think Montes is doing a decent job and they've got a lot of good young players. Smith Rowe, 
you're completely right in the Madison comparisons. That Madison was excellent last week. Smithrow is such a good player. He he rarely does you know things wrong. I think, and he's always productive. And I think when you see a game from you know TV or the stands, you can always see like the right pass or the right run to make, and he's often doing exactly that. So yeah, he's an excellent young young player. Back to us. I mean. I agree with you on the Willy Caballero stuff. Like, class, 40-year-old player, played international and Champions League football. He was he was starting over, I appreciate his Kepa, but he was starting over Kepa only two seasons ago at Chelsea. So like, we, we've got someone here who, you know, whatever happens with the contract, however long it is, I think in the short term can, can add something to that. And what was it? I think he's been keeping fit at AFC Wimbledon. Um, you know, hopefully he's not in, in too bad nick um, and can slot straight in because whatever happened with the McCarthy situation, it's clear that we don't trust Harry Lewis or, or Ralph at least doesn't to, to put him in the, the 11. So I imagine that Caballero will slot straight into to that starting lineup. Just sort of bizarre set of events. Like, I don't know. It feels quite odd that he's going to be Saints' goalkeeper for maybe a couple of months or, or whatever, but who knows? The Casey Keller mould. Yeah, there was. What, what, that was, God, that, was that the season we went down as well? I think it was. I think the Alien Smith were both injured, so we ended up signing oh, Casey God. Keller. These God. omens you're talking about here, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <all> right. <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, no, I think um, decent bit of business from the club. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at centre-back. Diallo will obviously replace Romeo, and I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Um, yeah, no kind of qualms about him starting in this game. So another interesting thing that came out of this piece that I read was around how poor Arsenal are when losing. So if they take the lead or are drawing, if they take the lead, they're normally pretty good. If they're drawing, they're about league average. If they're losing, they are really bad. And again, I don't know if that is... Um, the kind of uh, experience they've had against the big teams, but this bears out across last year under Arteta as well. So given how shit we are when we're winning and how poor they are when they're losing, it could be an interesting game, I think. We'll still conspire to drop points, no doubt, if we do take the lead. But I think yeah. early goals in this could be crucial. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said, you say, so if we go one you last, someone's got to give and you'd, You'd imagine it'd probably be probably be us because we we're so bad at staying ahead in games, and uh, Arsenal just got quality in quite a lot on the pitch. You look at, I mean, that Tommy Atten is really impressive since he's been there, their, their new right back. Yeah. And also, I do worry about the physical our physicality in midfield, especially with Thomas Partey in there. So he, he may, I do worry about him coming out on top over Wolves and Diallo. It's going to be a tough afternoon, but they're. They're beatable, but they've been beatable probably for us for years, but we still can't win there. So we'll see. I mean, I'd expect us to lose, but you, you, you just never know. Yeah. The thing is with Saints, I'd say bar the big three, which, you know, we've taken a point from the three games. They've all been away, mind, that we've played against those. Um I never expect us to get anything, but going away to Arsenal is a game where I think we could easily get something. Um, but they're a, they're a decent side, obviously kind of in, in better form than Saints, irrespective of what happened um, on Thursday night at Old Trafford. 
Uh, yeah, and physicality in midfield is something to point out. Obviously, they've played party quite a lot. El Nenny, I think, started against United, but uh, Lekonga looked like a decent signing in there as well. Um, and Tommy Asu is quite an interesting one because he doesn't really get forward that much and they almost like revert to a back three with the left back really pushing on. So I just think they they look pretty solid under under Arteta. Um, I... I think we'll lose. I'm thinking 2-1. I reckon we will score first, concede before half time, and then yeah, I think they will they'll win it. Um, but again, very interesting numbers coming out of when they're behind. So so who knows on that front? Sam, do we want to quickly chat on on Palace before yeah, we're gonna pause actually on Brentford because we are hopefully gonna record a, a little bonus pod next week. So We'll not do Brentford, given it's yeah coming on for two weeks away, but we will talk about our trip to Selhurst Park, which is another midweek fixture. They've looked good under Vieira, all, all, all things told, and I think surprised a few people with how they've played, but they've lost yeah a few games. I can't think if they've lost their last three or I can't think of this weekend. I think it is their last three. They, yeah, they, lost, they lost to... Um... United yesterday, wasn't it? Lost to United, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they've, they've lost the last three. And mm-hmm. I, I know a few Palace fans, and I'm actually making my way to the game with a couple. They're, they're kind of baffled in that Edouard, when he's played, is one of their best attackers. They've got Elise, who, again, when he plays, looks really good. Eze's now back to fitness. But they are persisting with Benteke and Ayu as sort of part of their front three. And I think if they do that, against us I, I would feel com- confident that we can get a result there but i would be interesting to know how you see it it's a place we normally go to and do well I mean I've, I've actually dug out our record at um, Sellers Park since since they were promoted in 2013 and we've, I mean won five of our eight games there I mean I've seen us win there even when we are probably crap under Pellegrino and um, Mark Hughes one of our most impressive wins actually under Ralph I think a couple of years ago at Sellers Park mm. Rebel and Armstrong both scored absolute screamers. We were, were great that day. We were we so should, good. Yeah, I think other than I think we nearly gave Chank Tosin a goal in the first couple of minutes. I think Vestergaard nearly conspired to give him a goal. Other than that, it was one of the easiest wins I've ever seen us have in the Premier League. We, was, we were really good that night. Palace were dreadful. But I mean, they're quite an interesting team. They, they've really quickly changed their, their style of play and their philosophy, bringing in players like... As obviously, as they was signed last season, we've got players like Connor Gallagher, who's there on loan, Elise, as you said, as you mentioned before, Edouard, and the two centre backs. Who I mean, I think I think Anderson's out at the moment, but mm, Mark, he is, Mark, yeah. Mark Guay, he looks, looks like a really, really, really smart signing. I think he was at Swansea last season. We, we were linked with him in the summer, but no, he's, he's really impressed since he's been there. So, yeah, it would be it's a, another winnable game. It's a very tough game to go there and win. But it's, again, again, it's winnable. And I mean, with our record there, you just wouldn't bet against us going there and winning. But they're a different side now. It'll be quite interesting to see uh, the resumption of the Zaha v. Walprouse battle. Whether that will continue yet again. After all that, there'll be some boos for both players and both sets of fans, um, as usual. So, yeah, it'll be... Um, It'd be an interesting one. I, I, I would definitely take if we if we manage to get two points in those away games, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a disaster. But there's no reason why we can't go to Palace, Palace and win. Yeah, agreed. I think going into these five fixtures, we said that we'd be happy with seven points. We've taken two from a possible nine, which 
is just majorly disappointing given their two games that we could have easily won in terms of our last two. Um, yeah, I think we'll, I think we will lose on Saturday, but I think we will beat Palace. But given we're throwing in a little bonus pod, maybe I can revise that depending on how well we turn up against Arsenal. Yeah, I, I think they're just not in not in good form at the minute. I think another thing they're sort of doing is it's potentially Kiate or someone else, or maybe even Tompkins is is playing as the other centre back with with Gahey now that Anderson's out. I think Anderson's out to the turn of the year, which seems to be a big blow. And from the little I've seen of Palace supporters talking about that. That has changed, yeah, quite drastically their their build up and their play in possession because they don't really have the the control that they've been used to in the early fixtures with with Vieira in charge. But yeah, the turnaround I think he's made in terms of the the footballing style has been quite impressive. Um, but yeah, I um I think that does it for our game reviews and previews, Samuel. Anything to say on Rouse three years? I guess we'd sort of be remiss of us not to mention it. Um, yeah, I think we've done to death the sort of Ralph in, Ralph out. Is he the right man for us? But yeah, reflecting on the three years, anything to to say of note? I read a better place than when he signed. It's just interesting where, where we can go from here, what, what sort of progress we can make in the next year. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see if we do get taken over those chat this week of a potential takeover. Yeah. Whether if he did have a bit of money behind him, what, what sort of team he could turn us into? Yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster, put it that way. It really has. Kind of mad three years from the three two with Arsenal. I'm thinking of will we'll kind of live long, I guess, in in the memory. I guess he's become kind of a, a well used gif as well, if if nothing more yeah. from uh from the running from outside of his technical area, then running back in sheepishly. Uh, yeah, it's just been what a kind of bizarre three years. I still feel, and I think obviously we see this slightly differently, but I still feel very lucky to have him. And I was reflecting on the pod that we did with with Coxie around, look, where would Ralph go next? And I think you and him and I actually agreed a club like Leicester would be probably right for his next move. And I think I came away from that thinking, well, in a sense there, we're all agreeing that he's probably above Saints' level. <laughs> In, in that, because Leicester are a bigger, better, you know, well-funded club, uh, whereas we uh, right now in terms of funding are not. And I know as you touch on those rumours around takeover, which would be a kind of a welcome Christmas present as we head into the next year. But yeah, I'm I'm still very happy with with him in charge. And given the constraints he's working under, I, I, I'd like to think that, you know, we've, we've got the right man for the job. But geez, in-game management, you know, strange things that he says about players in, in pressers and beyond. Like there's clearly some faults there. And and I think, you know, the level we're at, the level that any club is at, you're always going to get faults with managers and just be interesting to know kind of what happens in the, in the coming three years, whether, yeah, I, I doubt he's going to be here for that long, but you know, if we can survive and do get new ownership and he is backed, could well be a kind of different story with the fan base being as divided as they are on him. Yeah, definitely. Lovely stuff, Samuel. Are you tucking into Monday Night Football tonight? Yeah, tucking into a curry shortly and then Monday Night Football. You lucky boy. Yeah, you Swans, lucky Swansea boy. away. Swansea away. Can't go away. 
Swansea wearing the cup. How oh, we fit it into the pod. That's a bit oh, shit. A bit, bit of a boring one. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll kind of stoke up the hotel debate from the season when we stayed up and they didn't. Yeah, that was, that was Mark Hughes' finest hour. Only, only, only it really was. was. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, trip to Wales for Saints in the Cup then. Annoying when we kind of get those games, which are kind of tricky but boring. Yeah. So, yeah, we could, we could yeah. definitely lose that. Yeah, we probably could. Is it Russell Martin that they've got in charge at the minute? It's quite highly rated. Anyway, yeah, we'll um we'll talk about that close to the time. But Saints versus Swansea in the in the third round. Um, to finish on, let's revel in the fact that Pompey got beat by Harrogate uh, this weekend, <laughs> which actually come kind of five thirty p.m. was uh, yeah welcome relief on what had just unfolded at St Mary's. Sam, pleasure to talk all things Saints. I hope this therapy session has been kind of worth it and you can get up off the uh, the sofa now and go and eat your curry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Nice one. Cheers, mate. Cheers.